Okay, this morning, if you've got your Bible, turn over to Luke 15. We're going to continue. We're going to finish up that parable in Luke 15, and we're going to look at this today. When you're lost at home. Have you ever been lost at home? I know I've been up, I, I, a few times I got up in the woods uh, above mom and dad's house where dad got eat up recently with turkey mites or whatever he got. And uh, I, I, I strayed a little farther than I should over the hills. I didn't know this till right now. I'm just now, I'm sorry, Mom, I did this. And I got a little turned around a time or two and scared myself to death. I was lost at home after I at the house and uh, as, as a kid, and I finally found my way back. We can be lost right in the house. We're going to look at that today. We're going to finish this uh, parable of the prodigal that we know it as. We're going to look at these final <clears throat> seven or eight verses, starting of 25. If you've got that this morning, stand for the reading. <clears throat> Here's what it says. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore it came, out his came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, and thou hath which hath devoured thy living with harlots, Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. When you're lost in the house. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we know that God, that you love us so much. And God, you're revealing today God's worth and truth that we can be right in your house and God not be, Lord, really in a relationship. We, we can be going through motions. We can be doing things, God. But God, we may be far from you. And God, we want you to reveal and open our minds and open our eyes that we can see clearly, Lord, as you examined here, you would examine us today. And God, we would leave knowing you more than we ever have before in the right relationship with you. And we thank you for it. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You could be seated <clears throat> this morning. This morning, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with my throat here. I got choked up here, so you'll have to bear with me for just a minute. But uh, we, we see this passage that as you read it, in fact, in your Bible, it's probably right above it may even say, the prodigal son. That's what we know this story is. But really, the truth of the matter is, this very well should have been called the father with two prodigal sons because they are both just as lost. We're going to see that a little bit today. We're going to see. Do you mean, what does that mean? Does it mean it's possible for the elder brother to leave the father without leaving the farm? I mean, the other brother left, clearly. He rebelled against what his father wanted. We seen him last week. He went in the far country. We see that he was far away from the authority and the command and the will of the Father. He's going to do it his way. You ever done that your way? Only to find out it wasn't the right decision to make and you had to come running back. 
Well, this is what the, the, the other son did. But you know what? The wondrous thing about the other son, he finally got to a point because he knew where he was. He knew where he was, and he knew that he was lost, and he knew that he had gotten out of and rejected the Father, and he finally became, he came to himself through that revelation that the Holy Spirit does. And he came running home, and he repented, and he's received back in right relationship, and that's where we left the story last week. But you've got another son here who never left the farm. And he did, and looking at this boy on the outside, he was the picture of perfection. He did what he was supposed to do. He got up early. He did his chores. He's the last one to come home. He did uh, everything that a good son should do. But there's something going on in this boy's heart that we're going to see revealed in these scriptures. We see today the danger of looking good on the outside, but not really being that same person on the inside. What's on the inside is what, that's what God's going to judge is the heart. He warns, Christ warns us of this in Revelation. This is what he's referring to. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much. Just happy to have one with him. That's good. That's awesome. Come prepared. That reminded me, Pastor Jarvis, I've told this before, but I'll never forget it because it caught me off guard. Uh, Ed Miller, big Ed Miller, uh, when he was, uh, he was like the Sunday school superintendent at that time, First Pentecostal. Pastor Jarvis was up preaching on Sunday morning. <clears throat> he got choked up a little bit, <clears throat> and he said, could <coughs> somebody go get me something to drink? So Ed went around the side door. Took him about four or five minutes here. He'd come back in the side door, and he had a cup, a styrofoam cup, and he handed it to the pastor. Pastor sat down. He got preaching, <clears throat> got coughing a little bit again took a big drink, and right in the middle of the drink, he almost spit it out. He went, he did a double take, and, and he looked down, and he said, well, that's Kool-Aid. <laughs> he, he went back to the kid, where the kids were, brought him, well, if water's good, Kool-Aid's better, right? So I, I'm glad I could see what was in the vessel here. Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. Okay, I got to get back serious now. This is a serious warning here. I was getting ready to read. The Lord warned us of this type of heart. In Revelation chapter 3, 15 through 17, here was his warning. He said, I know thy works, whether thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He hates that. Why? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not blindness, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This, this son thought because he was going through the motions of being a son, it didn't matter the condition of his heart, just because he didn't leave the farm, we're going to see that his heart was gone before the younger son was gone. And it's a dangerous place, and I think that's the reason it's in this warning. St. <clears throat> Augustine, he, he said this, he said, for it is not by our feet nor by change of place that we either turn, talking about God, turn from thee or to thee, but in darkened affections lies the distance from thy face. It's our affection, our love for God that determines where we're at. 
in our relationship with God. The younger son was clear and obvious and made it open where his heart was and he left. And God's able to deal with us. When I was a lost sinner out in the world, God was easily able to deal with me because I knew where I was. And I was miserable. (laughs) And he's able to draw me back. But it's such a dangerous place to be in the house of God and get to where we make ourselves, we think we're okay, and God can't in the relationship with God. Our Father is so cruel and indifferent, we don't realize where we truly are. This older son's heart was definitely out of sync with the father. We're going to see that here. It says in verse 25, we're going to look at the first few verses now. His elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. What's going on, he thought. Notice this. He didn't go to the father. He finds a servant. He says in verse 26, and he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto him, my brother's come and the father has killed the fatted calf. Because he hath received him sound. And what was his response? He was angry. This is his brother. We don't know how long he's been gone. In fact, they probably gave him up for dead. He hadn't seen or heard anything from him. Never got one report the whole time he was gone. And he was gone. And they knew that he was in a bad place. And we see that he's come home. And instead of love saying, my brother's home? We see anger was in his heart. And we see that this... There's something wrong with the heart of this brother. We see it clearly in this verses. Maybe this is what the little boy who had uh, had in mind when he made this prayer. He said, "Dear God, make all people good, and all are pe- all good people nice. Make all people good, and make all good or make all excuse me, make all bad people good, and all good people nice. We can sometimes be good people." But there's things hidden in our hearts that's maybe not the way it should be. Mark Twain said something about this. He said he was a good man in the worst sense of the word. Being good in the worst sense of the word. We see that this older son, something wasn't right. Today we're going to look at some of those things. We're going to see what was going on in his heart. We're going to look at four, not five. I usually end up with five or more. And today it's four, so be encouraged in that. Uh, Four warning signs that the elder brother was lost at home. Number one, we see that the heart of the elder brother revealed self-worth. He believed he was a good son because he had proved himself through works. Here's what it said. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I do I serve thee. Now that word serve there, when you He's not talking, this is not a word that's talking about I was a good son. The word he uses here actually means, it is duleo, which means to be a slave, to be in bondage. He's saying, Father, all these years I have slaved for you. We see his heart, we start seeing it right here. I've done everything you've said and I have slaved for you. We see that this this older son is seemingly void of joy. He has, you won't see joy here. There is, no, there is no love. There is no joy. And it's a dangerous place to be because somehow he had convinced himself that service, that, that working for God is 
are working for his father was equal with the relationship with his father. Doing things for his father was the same as having a close relationship with his father. Every time the bell rang to get up in the morning, he was always up. He was out in the field before anybody. But if you'll notice in the story, one thing was really peculiar. Every single person was back at the house celebrating but the son. What's going on with that? Why was he not home? He was the, he didn't know yet, but he was already, he was in the field and he, it's like his relationship was distant from his father to where he wasn't even, he didn't even want to come home. He was miserable. He had a misery in his life. He was going through the motions. Do you know we can do that in our spiritual life? We can get so busy. Oh, it's Sunday again. I got to get up and make it to church. Dad, Bernard, that pastor's already called and he wants me to come to prayer service. What's he doing? <laughs> What's he doing? It's Sunday again, and you get here, and you sit there, and you're thinking, boy, I hope it's just three points today. And, and we go through the motions, and we go out the door, and we feel like, okay, Father, I put in my time today. Check. But that's not what the Father's looking for. See, the Father wants joy. He wants there to be a relation. He longs for you and me and his does this make sense to you that a holy God that could speak universes into existence longs for a relationship with you? It's what he longs for. That's what his heart is set upon. So much that he gave his son so that he could make that happen. He longs for relationship. Let me give you an example as you, you with parents. And, and sometimes... Uh, you may do things for your parents. Maybe you've got a, an elderly parent that you may have to have done some things for. Luckily, my parents are stronger than me, so I don't have to take you. They come help me instead of me helping them most of the time. But let me ask you something. Think about this. If your parents were so needy that they needed you and you came over and you mowed their yard, and at the end of the time you mowed the yard, they kept watching to see when you're getting close to the end. And they had a glass of lemonade waiting at the door. And at the end they said, son, why don't you come on in for a few minutes? I appreciate all you've done for me. You said, no, dad, I'm too busy. i got to go. I, I, did, I, I took care of your yard. See you. And then a few days later, they needed the groceries picked up. And you was willing to take care of it, but you got it and you opened the door and you put it at the front of the door and you rung the bell and kind of like FedEx and UPS does now, just ring the bell if they even do that and, and just leave it at your door, hope nobody steals it, and then you walk away. They open the door expecting to see their son or daughter, but they're already gone. See, in your mind, you may think you've accomplished, you're a good son, you're a good daughter, but that doesn't satisfy. That is not going to satisfy the longing in their heart because, yes, it's wonderful what you did, but they would much rather have that relationship. They would rather sit down and talk to you and to get to know you better and find out what's going on and just bless you with the little things they would want to do for you. See, that's the way we, God wants to do with us. And yet this son was missing the picture. He thought serving his father was the same as being in relationship with his father. Saul had the same problem. He thought that he could do it his way and he could serve God the same way he was. God told him when he took out those Amalekites, these the sinful nation that was going to plague him for generations to come. And if he would have just done what God said, it, was, it would have been taken care of. Don't take, keep anything. Don't keep the people. 
Don't keep the sheep. Don't keep any of the garments. Get rid of it all. But he didn't. We see that he went in and he went to battle. And he kept the best of the sheep for himself. He kept them. Now, when the prophet asked him and said, What are you doing? Did you not get commanded to not keep any of this? You had to kill it all? Oh, but I'm keeping the best for a sacrifice to God. And what was God's answer to him? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Today we have a message for this young man. Relationship with God is more important than working for God. You can be busy. You can come to the house of God. You can go through all the motions and be void of a relationship. We know because one of the signs that we see this boy's life is void. Of the joy of God. There is no fun. There is no joy in his heart. He's just going through the motions. He's just putting in the time. So today we see that he was serving God based on self-worth. What he did was what he felt like he was worthy for. We see number two. We see the heart of the elder brother was not just self-worth, but had self-righteousness. We see in verse 29, it goes on and says, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Now, first of all, I don't really believe that. It'd be like me and you saying, We have never seen, I have never sinned one time. I've never told a lie my whole life. <laughs> and I just told another one if I'd have said that, right? We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? We see that this son said, Look at me. Look what you've done to this other brother. I have never done anything wrong. Boy, it's a dangerous place to be. When we're looking at other people, listen, do you know, you know people like that. You may know people that look down at me and you and they think, boy, I'm glad, kind of like that fairy, I'm glad I'm not like that James Hacker. Thank God I'm not like that James Hacker because he's a pathetic soul. But the Lord looks at our hearts and he knows everything. When we realize, when you think about it, we, we, can't, we can't earn anything with God. Enough. Isaiah said that your best, the best that you and I can do is filth before God. It's not that it's not worth It's the fact that we can't do it. It's impossible. Why would he send his son if we could do it ourselves? We can't. So he freely gives us the ability. All we have to do is give up and take hold of his righteousness. And allow him to do it. And then we can relish in that relationship. You can't earn anything with God. And you're never good enough on your own. That's what the Pharisees. He's, who's he talking to here? The Pharisees. These Pharisees that were ridiculing Jesus because he loved and did so much for these, uh, these vile Gentiles. Why are you doing all this stuff? Look how, do you not see how vile it is? And he's trying to show them, do you not see your own heart? Do you not know that the Father's love is poured out on them just like it's being poured out on you? And God loves us. And so we see that this brother was self-righteous. You know, what's in your mind reveals what's in your heart. The following preaching of Jesus convicted the uh, Pharisees, and he convicts us even today, these words, that they'd never heard anything like this before in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. This is what he says in verse 21. You have heard it said, uh, well, said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. We all agree with that. That's wrong. But here's what he added. 
and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be, which is like fool, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever, no, that's not like fool. Here's the fool. She shall say, thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. He's saying the condition of your heart. You, it's not when you go to the act. Whatever starts with the act started in the mind. There's never been a person that's fell into adultery that first didn't start in the mind. There's never been someone who stole that first didn't have a problem with covetousness in the heart and the mind. So we see that he's saying, you don't, don't think that you're better than anybody else because before I found you, you were just like them. And in fact, what I see in your heart right now, it's worse than them. Because we can look at ourselves and we can always find someone worse than us. You know, Martin Luther, boy, he struggled. Uh, if, you, if you read about his life, boy, what an amazing man. I mean, such uh, he was like the father of this reformation that happened in the 1600s. The Roman Catholic Church was so dominant in their beliefs and they were struggling from the 1200s when they had, did all these things like sell indulgences. Buy your family's way out of hell. You give us enough money. And you can earn your way by paying money or you can earn your way by doing things to yourself and it keeps you so many years out of all this stuff. And he struggled with that. In fact, if you read about his life, he, uh, he said that he actually, when he read about in Scripture about the righteousness of God, he hated that. When he read about the righteousness of God, it made him angry. Because he's seen God as this angry God, almost mocking us, knowing we couldn't live up to his standard, waiting to kind of pulverize us. He spent his life beating himself, and to, even to the points to where, I, if I remember correctly, he would even pass out from the pain where he would whip his own self to try to earn favor with God. He wanted to know God, but he hated the fact that God was just above him and ready to pound him at any moment. That's the ideal he had of God. But something happened. He was studying for, he was teaching a course at the university. And he was going through the book of Romans. He was actually in Psalms and it took him into Romans. And there was some verses in chapter 1 of Romans that just kept tripping him up. He just couldn't understand what they meant. And he kept studying them. And med if, by the way, you read something that doesn't make sense, keep meditating on it. Pray about it. Lord, would you show me what that means? You'll be surprised. You'll be just walking or, and meditating. All of a sudden, boom, a thought will drop in your mind. This little rhema of God. God will give you insight yourself. You don't have to have the preacher. The best times is when God puts the thought in your mind and opens it up to like a spotlight in your heart. That's what happened to him. He was studying in Romans chapter 1. And he couldn't understand. And it was talking about this thing called faith. And it was talking about the just. And it finally one day, God opened his eyes. He pulled the blinders off. And he was transformed by this one verse. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just, the justified, those that are pure and righteous and, 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 and satisfies the, the righteousness of God, how do they do it? By putting their faith 
in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, his eyes were open. You mean I don't have to earn it? You mean I don't have to beat myself to please a holy God? It's because of faith. All I got to do is trust him. And all of a sudden, it was like he had new birth. He was born again with this realization. It changed his life because the just shall live by faith. A son is not a son by what he does, but by whose he is. A son is not a son by what he does, but by whose he is. You can't earn yourself to be good enough. You're a son because of who the father is. You're a daughter because of who the father is. We need to make sure that we do not become like this elder brother and looking at other people and thinking, boy, I'm glad I'm not like them because when God found you and me, we were all sinners and we're all saved by grace until the father found you and you repented and he gave you his mercy, grace, and forgiveness and brought you back in right relationship. Amen. So we see that this son revealed his heart. Dangerous place of his heart. He had self-worth and self-righteousness. And we're going to see him continuing in verse 29. That he was self-centered. He was selfish. He went on and said. And yet thou never gavest me a kid. A goat. A baby goat. That I might make merry with my friends. You didn't do that for me. My brother went and did anything he wanted to do, and he comes back, and I'm still out in the field. In fact, I'm the last one to come in. Well, why were you the last one to come in? I mean, we're all celebrating. You're still out. Wow, you're probably trying to stay away from the Father. But we see that he is sitting here saying, why? You ever been jealous? Did you ever get jealous of your, of your parents and maybe the way they treated them? I remember. I, didn't, I don't remember this. This part I don't remember because I was too little. Mom tells me about it. My, I was a year and a half older than my brother. And uh, I guess it was a chair or a rocker or something. What was it that you found me? Okay, which one did you find me sitting on? Both? Okay, uh, she'd go do something, maybe get the laundry, bring it in, do something in the house. And she'd come back looking for my brother, couldn't find him. He's a baby, couldn't find him. I'm just sitting there. Where's he at? Got looking around. Where was he at? I'm sitting on him. I pinned him in. Why? He's in my chair. He's in my chair. So now you, you all, some of y'all say, Lord, we got to pray for our pastor. He's a, God, what a, what, what a vile creature he is. Okay. But I tell you what, it's easy sometimes for us to look at other people and we're more worried about what God's doing. You ever seen that someone, God blesses somebody else? And instead of looking at them and saying, thank the Lord that he's blessing them. We say, Lord, why ain't you done that for me? They got a new job. They got a new house. They got a new car. They've got all these new things, and I don't have nothing. I've still got my old stuff. Why ain't you blessing me? Maybe you ain't spending enough time in the house. Maybe you ain't spending enough time in his presence. We try to do. You know what the, the truth of the matter was? If you go back to if you go back to verse twelve, at the end of verse twelve, it's not going to be on the screen. But on the verse end of verse twelve, it says, "And he divided unto them his living." The same time that that other brother got his. The older brother got way more than the other brother. He's the oldest. He automatically got two-thirds of the possessions. 
And he's sitting there saying, you never gave me a kid. Well, his father is sitting there saying, son, you got it all. Everything that's left is still yours. What are you talking about? It's yours to have taken advantage of. And yet he's blaming the father and he's not rejoicing. His brother has came back. And he's not even rejoicing because of jealousy and because of self-centeredness in his life. Uh, it would be like sometimes, uh, I, I didn't hear this story till later in life. And it's probably a good thing because I would have probably capitalized on it. And of course, mom and dad stories are some of the ones I remember the most, of course. I didn't know till later that dad had something special in that lunchbox I told you about. Dad would come home late at night and my brother would be up and run to meet him at the door. And I was content for when dad come down the hall and say something to him. But Carl met him. I was wondering why he's meeting him at the door so much for. Now, I'm sure it was for good reasons. But Dad started having a little surprise in his lunchbox when he met him. It would be like me being angry that I didn't get that, but I didn't meet him. See, God wants us to have fellowship with him, and then we will receive blessings that we would have missed out on. When we sit back and we have a distance of a relationship, we get angry at our father because we don't have that spiritual life. We don't have the blessings. We don't have God's favor. We don't seem, we don't feel his presence. And yet we have distanced ourselves from God and we blame him instead of knowing where the problem comes from. It's us. So we got to get back to the house. Amen. So we see we don't need to be self-centered and that's the way he was. And then finally we're going to see that this other thing about this heart was his heart was self, not, not centered, not uh, self-righteous or uh, self-worth. But we're going to see his heart actually is a little self-revealing here in this end of this thing. What are you talking about? Here's what it says. Verse 30 says, he says to his father, says, but as soon, by the way, notice how he says this. As soon as he, as thy son, not my brother, he says, but as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. You blessed him. He did everything wrong. Instead of judgment, you blessed him. Who are you? Dad, I don't have any confidence in you because of what you did for my unrighteous brother. Boy, we see the truth is now finally out, what's in his heart. First, we see, we see three things in this. First, he revealed his lack of love for his own father. You see, he was the last one to come. The, everybody, all the servants was in rejoicing. Where was he doing still in the field? Why didn't he come in yet? There was nobody with him. He didn't want to come home. He didn't want that relationship. It wasn't important to him. He was just going through the motions. He didn't want to be around his dad. He didn't love his dad. So we see that. Not only that, we see that he had a lack of love because he... He, when, he, when he returned home, he didn't even ask his dad. He could have wished, who would have the answer of what's going on? But dad, instead of saying, dad, he hollered at his servant. I don't go in that house. I ain't talking to dad. Come here and tell me. He said, what's going on in that house? And his servant tells him. Of course, then he's angry. We see he don't love his dad. And finally, he rebuked his father. He's sitting there saying to him, I've never disobeyed a thing you've ever told me. And yet, in the very instance that he's saying this, he's rebuking his own father. We know that's sin. So we see the true heart of this young man. He's revealing that his heart has no love for a father. Not only that, we know he doesn't love even his own brother. It's, that's what's revealed next. He refused to even call his own brother his brother, your son. And I'm sure it was with a, 
with almost a snarl in his face. That's your son. As your mom or dad, or, or as a mom, you may have done this. You ever? <laughs> sometimes I've done this. Your son did, talking to my wife, your son did this, or she'll tell me your son or daughter. I shouldn't say son every time. She'll think only my son does things. But only your daughter's the one doing that, you know. Sometimes we do that ourselves, don't we? But he lacked love for his brother. In fact, he wished he'd have never came home. Can we be that way? That we look at someone else and they've done things that we can't forgive them of? We see them and, boy, I can forgive anything, but, boy, that, not that one. I was talking to someone this very week on something that was dealing with something and they couldn't let something go. I mean, you can do certain things to them, but don't do this. I can't hardly let it go. That's a dangerous place to be. We can be in the house of God. We can have a whole message. You need to do this sometime on the root of bitterness. It's a dangerous thing. It'll be a dangerous thing. But we see this brother revealed his heart that he did not love his brother. He wished he had never come home. He was content with him being out of the picture, and now everything was his. And all the attention came to him. Third thing, he revealed a sinful heart. What do you mean? Where in did this brother get the information of what his brother had done? There had ne he had never talked to his brother since he left. He didn't want to. When his brother came back, he never got word. He never talked to him to find out what he did. They had never received a message the entire time that he was lost and out in the world. But what did he say? This thy son which hath devoured thy living with harlots. He assumed and brought up something that was in his own mind and he placed that on his brother which could be revealing of hidden secrets and desires in his own life. Because nowhere did we see, it says that he was uh, living wildly but they hadn't, he'd never heard a word. He didn't know anything about what he had done. Sometimes, and Jesus, as he dealt in, this, in the parables, and when he dealt with Matthew 5, and he was telling these, these Pharisees, and he's sitting there saying, a man that thinks lust in his heart is the same as someone committing adultery. Well, that knocked them off their feet. You see, they had convinced themselves and was living, I can think it all I want. I can want it all I want. I can, I can entertain it all I want in my mind as long as I don't touch it. As long as I don't leave the house, my heart can be in the far country as much as I want it to be. I can daydream about the far country. And in fact, we can see that this, this, this older brother, probably his heart was in the far country before the younger brother ever left. And we see that his his desires were probably leaking out and the, and the accusations that he was making toward his brother, thinking that if I was out there, that's what I'd be doing. And so we see that very likely his sinful heart and the condition of his heart is revealed. We already read, he said, if you hate somebody, it's the same as killing them. You see, what you have in your, what you're going to have in your hand always starts in your heart. It's in your heart before it ever, way before it ever ends up in your hand. We need to see how dangerous that is. What's the response as we close today of the father? What was his response? He's accusing the father of being too kind and forgiving and loving and generous and merciful to this younger son. 
But don't we see him doing the exact same thing for the older son? We see that he will not come in. He's angry. And what does scripture say? He came out and he entreated him. He pleaded with him. Come on in, son. Come on into the house. Come into the presence. Be with us. Rejoice with us. This is where you belong. But he would not. And when he, when he accused him of all these things, here's what he said in verse 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, son, I want you to think about this for a minute. You're complaining that I have not, by the way, I'm being merciful to you right now. I'm not angry. I'm not giving you what you deserve right now. I'm, I'm letting you talk to me. I'm, I'm letting you buy with same grace and mercy that I did your brother. But son, listen to me. You're blaming me, but here's the thing. You've been in the house with me every day. Your brother come running home because he missed relationship with me and he wanted to be back in my presence and he knew the blessings that came from being in my presence. And he came home and he repented and, and that's why there is a rejoicing going on. But son, you've had the same opportunity every single day and where do I find you? Hiding in the field. You think that going through the motions and everything that you're talking about has been made. I have already given you everything that you could ever want and desire. It's already yours. He made it available to him. And yet he's blaming the father that he'd never took advantage of it. It was him that hadn't taken advantage of it. He's saying, everything I have is yours. Your, the, every desire, the joy that you're lacking, I've already given it to you. The, 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 the fulfillment, the relationship that's longing in your heart, it's never going to be found in that far country where your heart is. It's only going to be found if you take advantage of what's already been made available to you. He's done the same thing for you and me. He has already made available not only salvation. He made that available through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. But he's made joy and fulfillment and, and, and all the things that you can ever desire. God has made available. And all that requires is to be in that right relationship with the Father. Loving Him. Longing for Him. He may say unto him, you might be here in body, son. But your heart left way before your brother. You think what you're doing is pleasing me. And doing what I want. But son, you are lost in the house. See, this son, we don't see. This is, the, this is where you don't think of when you finish reading it. it. Most of you may not. We don't see the outcome of this son. This son was left in this spot. There was a question mark. Did he come into the house? Or did he pack up everything and go into the far country himself? He's in a dangerous spot. I'm telling you that this son was the most lost. We know that this son was in the most danger. The other one had already came home. Yes, he was a sinner. Yes, he was vile. But we see that he repented and he was brought back in right relationship. Thank God that God gave me a chance. But I had to come running. But thank God he was the one drawing. Uh, this younger brother had found a true treasure, eternal treasure. He explains that the rejoicing is going on is because that my son, which was lost and blind, his eyes were open and he's home. And finishing this, he doesn't say it, but it's inferred. And I'll rejoice again. I would rejoice again if my other son's eyes were open today. 
Oh, today the Lord wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us not just to serve Him. He wants us not just to fulfill and do all the good things that a Christian's supposed to do, go all the places a Christian's supposed to go, read everything a Christian's supposed to read. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants relationship with you. And it's the greatest once you experience it, as the younger son found. When he left, he thought he was getting away from something he didn't want. But when he came back, he had learned to realize everything I desire was in the Father's presence. What I really was looking for wasn't in the far country. I found this out, didn't you? It's in the presence of the Father. When I come running to that altar that day, the presence of the Father gave me what I've been longing for for so long. Oh, he wants to do that again today. So today... Let him search our hearts and say, are we really in love with him? Are we going through motions? Are we just trying to please him? Are we trying to be good enough? Are we accepting his righteousness by putting our heart and faith and confidence in him and our full, complete trust and love toward him? That's where the treasure is. And that's what he wants for each and every one of us. It's already made available as we stand. It's already made available. But it's up to you to take hold of it and to receive it because we won't be able to stand in his presence and say, why did you leave me out? Because it's made available today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you have, Lord, given us all. The Lord, you've seen us, Lord, when we were in the far country. And Lord, you want us to come home. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, that your mercy and grace was extended to us. And that, God, that we know you today. God, would you search our hearts? Would you search our hearts that, God, to make sure that we don't have the heart of this elder brother? That, God, that we convince ourselves that we're doing good and we're doing better than anybody else. But, God, in our heart, when you look at us, do you see a heart that loves you as much as you love us? Or, God, are we trying to please you in the wrong ways? Because, Lord, we're never going to be happy that way. We're never going to have the joy that you have for us that way. We're never going to have the fulfillment. And, Lord, we could find that we are lost when you come back. And, Lord, we don't want that. We want everyone to be ready. God, deal with their hearts and open their eyes. Start with this preacher, God, and deal with their hearts that, God, you would be pleased. And, Lord, you would have your way today.